0: Yeah, something, something, or another. Yeah, some other words, Jason Sudeikis. Heaven knows I tried. Yo, what's up, people? it's your man ld back at it again and today ld is doing what he does best what god put him on earth to do he is talking and he's talking alone into a microphone and that's what's awesome about podcasts you know podcasts are very in they've been in and they've been in for five six years a decade who knows how long now like i you know podcasts are like tv shows at this point they're so in that they're just kind of a staple of the medium, of the media medium, you know? But what's awesome about having one is like, if I was talking in a room by myself without a microphone right now, I'm a crazy person. But because I'm holding a microphone, no matter how many people will evidently listen to this, I'm justified to be speaking to myself. And the topic of today's conversation between LD and the L disciples, you the listeners, is Ted Lasso, namely Ted Lasso season two. It finished Friday, or or late Thursday night if you're Lake LD and you stay up till midnight to to watch these things. I know that's technically Friday morning, but you know you, you got to wait until at least past the three thirty a.m. barrier for LD to think of it as the next day. Once four a.m. comes, it's certainly the next day. Between three a.m. and four a.m., that's like the the twilight zone. You're you're, you're in between days. It, it's sort of it's very weird at that point. But LD's got a little bit of structure to today's show, but as oftentimes with these LD solo experiences, it's going to be a lot of freewheeling, dealing, you know. But, but we're going to start off by just taking this episode by episode, sort of. And, and to, to really start off, I've, I've got to mention, of course, it's season two of Ted Lasso. Maybe you're listening to this and you're not quite as online as LD is, uh, or maybe not as plugged into sort of the t- television criticism. Uh, area but but Ted lasso season two you know it got a lot more flack season one nothing can really remain pure in this world of ours anymore. Season one very much so uh, you know was was the internet's darling. Uh, Ted Lasso is a television show based off of a television commercial. So people kind of thought it was gonna be very ridiculous um, and it, it easily was the biggest success of of Apple TV probably still is the morning show with Reese Witherspoon Jennifer Aniston and Steve Carell was certainly the house of cards if you will in the sense that it was the biggest hyped up you know the big names it had the the easy concept of oh it's going to be about a morning show you know is it is he supposed to be Matt Lauer in this oh you know That kind of had a lot of the the big hype, the big following behind it initially. Whereas Ted Lasso um, was one of those things that a lot of people were checking out because of how ridiculous they sort of expected it to be. And obviously it surprised a lot of people by being incredible. Then, you know, I'm not going to say Ted Lasso jumped the shark at all because throughout this podcast, LD LD LD's team Ted Lasso. He never didn't like this season. He he was always a fan of it. Uh, But at the same time, you know, certainly this was the season where kind of you know, you, you almost get—you can't get too big to fail when it comes to the internet. At some point, uh, your popularity is going to spur spawn hatred. But there certainly were also, you know, some credible, some credible dialogue going on about the show, its sustainability, its model of storytelling, and what have you. Kicking things off, you know. Ted Lasso Season 2 begins. We're we're in the championship after a heart-crushing defeat at the end of Season 1. Obviously, there's going to be spoilers throughout this podcast. LD is somebody, fun fact, who doesn't really care about spoilers. He'll he'll have things spoiled for him and just sort of shake it off, whatever. But obviously, if you're planning on watching Ted Lasso uh, Season 1, Season 2, whatever, and and you don't want to hear about things that happen, I'd tune out now. You can never be too careful with these things. People will click on a podcast about Ted Lasso Season 2 and then get upset when somebody talks about what happens in Ted Lasso Season 2. I know that sounds bizarre, but but, but it's happened to me uh, before on, the, on these internet streets, so you can never be too careful. But Season season 1, it begins with, with the team, you know, uh, uh, getting used to life in the championship. They, they've gotten seven draws in a row. Uh, you know, we, we, we kill the dog, Danny accidentally. Danny Rojas, Danny Rojas accidentally kicks a ball into a, a greyhound. I mean, really, a greyhound ran into a ball. I feel like that, not enough was made about that, that a greyhound, a live animal, just sort of ran onto a field and effectively blocked a penalty kick. I, I imagine, in any sport, that's calls for for a re you know, a retake, there. That's like an act of God. Not just going to be like, well, the ball didn't go into the net. What are we supposed to do? But this obviously was all meant... To introduce uh, the Sharon character, the the uh, the therapist, who was certainly a very good addition to the season, instrumental, and in sort of the big theme of like social, not social justice, excuse me. Uh, look at me, uh, getting caught up in all these big lib causes, am I right, people? Uh, but mental health, you know, uh, is certainly the big, and Ted's mental health specifically is a big overarching theme and sort of a storyline this season, so her introduction's obviously key to setting that up. And uh, then what, something I really liked that they did about uh, the first episode is how uh, Jamie Tart comes in at the very end. If you remember, Roy Kent's going off to uh, his his like stitching bitch yoga club with these older women drinking rose and talking about reality TV show, and there is Jamie Tart coming up on "Lust Conquers All." That that, that was very funny. Loved. I uh, Jamie Tart's a very funny c- actor. I I think. I don't mean this as a complaint. You got a big ensemble cast, and and maybe obviously he definitely has some credit of being funny in in the in in his doses. Like like you know they they really use him well. But I think uh, Jamie Tart can maybe maybe stand to have an increase in his workload on the show. Second episode is when Jamie Tart's trying to get back onto the, onto the team. Team's not really having it, you know. There, there's a very big, and, and you know, Ted kind of turns Jamie away at first because he's like, you know, Ted. Ted's all about the team, you know. He can't have too many cooks in the kitchen. Uh, more, more, not morals. Hold on here, uh, morale. There you go. That's close to morals, but you need team morale to be high. You need that locker room in, in tip-top shape. You know, uh, whom amongst us sports fans have never seen a team, a professional team, attempt to assemble? A super team, only to have you know some bickering in the locker room tear it all apart. Like a Kyrie Irving, for example. He, I mean, that, that's that's the crazy thing about Kyrie is like, I don't know. Obviously, the coronavirus, the vaccine, and all that's become so polarized and so political. Everybody's got an opinion on it. That like some people on sort of the the anti-vax, anti-vax mandate position, they'll like be like, yeah, Kyrie, you speak that. Ch- I don't want Kyrie Irvin anywhere near my calls. If I believe something in Kyrie Irvin's on that page and he's defending it, I'm kind of like, damn, like eh, there, 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 there's one for the for the other team there, you know, but I digress. You know, uh, Ted, Ted debunked or rebukes Jamie Tart at first, only for at the end of the episode him to kind of realize, you know, I, I think he has that line with Dr. Sharon where he's like, you know, don't don't you believe you. Something's working good why fix it and she's like well that that depends if you think that uh eight draws and one point out of at a eight points out of eight games is is too good to be fixed great point from dr Sharon there that very accurate impression by me and Jamie comes back at the end of the season or at the end of that game and and here's something to note obviously um there's this big overarching storyline with Nate, and I'll probably talk about that at the end of the the recap of the season, because uh, that'll kind of be like the, the biggest point of, of what I want to talk about after the episodes. And and Nate, obviously, he's the villain now. It's, it's very funny. You know, LD, OB obviously, he's got some experience in the old pro wrestling industry. Like, people will be like, oh, my God, like, Ted Lasso, I, I just hate Nate now. It's like, yeah, man, you're supposed to. He's the villain now. You know what I mean and obviously that that's to where I'm getting at in a second with this episode is is Nate has some points many of them are false but like you know it, it's really it's it's sort of ah, we'll, we'll, okay we'll get into Nate now I guess a little bit too but but you know there's this whole element of of unreliable narrators Nate Nate is the main character in his own world you know to treat him like a real character as, as or I'm sorry like a real person Nate sees things through Nate's lens you know, and, and while Nate might not be justified in feeling a lot of these things, you know, you can't help how you feel. And he certainly has the reasons why he believes he is correct to feel the way that he does. And again, I'm not acting like like I'm Team Ted in, in this fictional uh, brouhaha. But but uh, to play my cards here or to show like Nate's cards is Nate was, was with Coach Beard and saying they should not bring Jamie back. So there is maybe an example of Nate feeling like his advice is being ignored more than it should be or more than it would have been before, perhaps. Uh, Episode three, do the rightest thing. Uh, This, I think, is, yeah, yeah, it's the big Dubai air thing, Uh, which really starts setting up Sam's arc for the season, Sam and Rebecca's intertwining story. Also brings in uh, Rebecca's goddaughter, Nora with Sassy Smurf, Flo, who, who uh, see, I've got the Wikipedia up right now, just so I can kind of pull up these things uh, real quick, just because some of these episodes I haven't seen since earlier in the season. It's very funny, Like I mean, everybody just calls this girl Sassy. When was her name Flo? Established, really. Are we watching a a, a progressive commercial? Am I right, people? But this this was a very good episode. Uh, I don't think people were starting to complain yet about the season. I really think that comes either in the Christmas episode or the Christ episode after the Christmas episode. Christmas episodes next. I mean, who doesn't love a summer Christmas episode? It, it was funny. I mean, because this isn't like an ironic Christmas episode. It is the Christmas season for the uh, you know for 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 the cast for for the time period that this is all taking place. But at the same time, like the show obviously was coming out during the summer. So it was very funny to have a Christmas episode at that time. Loved the Roy and Keeley story in that that episode with the little girl who's got the legitimately bad breath. You know, they're, they're upset at this boy for bullying her. Turns out she actually has bad breath. Uh, I don't know why they're even mad at the boy really at the end of the day. But also, and, and this is going to be something else that I come back to later. Is One of the complaints some of the people I saw have on Twitter, and this this – Particular complaint came from like a legitimate TV writer, not just some account, was like, you know, about the lack of conflict and things like that. And this TV writer in particular was like, Rebecca, you know, in, in season, in, in the Christmas episode, it's like, oh, she was just a great person the whole time. We just thought she was evil in season one, but now everything's nice in Ted Lasso, la, 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 la. It's Like, Rebecca was never really evil. You know, she she hated Higgins because Higgins was supposed to be her friend and and also Rupert's friend and was just helping Rupert cheat on Rebecca and didn't say anything. That's why she didn't like Higgins. I mean, Higgins, you know, is a good guy, but certainly you know, that's a fair criticism. This is a real TV. This isn't like a Saturday morning cartoon for children, people. Not that LD has any issues with them. Still watches the Justice League cartoon from time to time. But this isn't just black and white. This is a lot of gray, you know? Like, like uh, that, that's the other thing. Rebecca just, she just had her husband cheat on her publicly, divorced, all this and that. You know, she's in this shitty situation. She's obviously at a bad point in her life. But like, like that's like the whole, the whole building sort of uh, uh, tension in season one is this idea that like, oh, we like, we like Rebecca at certain points, but at the same time, we think of her as the villain because she brought in Ted, as we very quickly find out, to kind of make a joke of him. And we, she brings him into fam, you know? Like, I saw this guy be like, right, yo, look at her. She's delivering presents to children now. It's like, all right, in season one, she's using Ted in a mean way as an exposure of her own bad emotions. And she doesn't like Higgins. so And she's mean to Higgins some of the time because Higgins was a dick to her. Oh boy, you want this woman thrown in jail? She's not Darth Vader. Did you expect her to be eating children on Christmas? Come on. I'm just saying, you know, after the Christmas episode, we've got the, the, the rom-com episode. And this, this is really where I felt like the criticisms of the season started to come from. And I don't get this at all. I thought the whole, hey, the whole Roy, Roy Ken as a commentator was phenomenal. There's that great gif with that great line delivered phenomenally by Brett Goldstein with that, I hope he dies, the incurable disease of being a little bitch. Like, I, I don't understand how people could not have liked this episode. He's, he's, there's that one commentator in this season who's saying something about, like, a, a woman, women being emotional. And fucking Roy Kemp's like, didn't you just get arrested for drink-driving last week, Ollie? What are you talking about how women can't be trusted behind a car? Roy Kent's great, and you got that great, he runs, you know, he quits on air and he goes running to, to the stadium. It's very funny, and this is, again... I think this is an obviously LD, Team Roy, as he just proclaimed. This is where another bit of the Nate thing begins to build up. Nate Nate, clearly, you know, he's not thrilled at Roy joining the team. He's a little scared by Roy. And that's where, again, this is to Nate's, not Nate's credit. Nate's bad for this. But like he starts losing some of the attention, some of the spotlight because Roy's there. Again, I'm not defending Nate. It's just giving some credit to Ted Lasso for having built uh a lot of this this building rising action very much so in the backgrounds so i don't think people saw like like you know uh, a lot of the Nate stuff was being played for laughs for a long time like like him being mean to the a dick a complete another dickhead to to the manager that replaced him the or not the manager you know the the shirt boy the kit man but yeah that was funny for a while but now when you look at it it's sort of a a real space. It's like, Oh, maybe Nate was just an asshole, you know? And I think now, uh, yeah, no, this episode's tied to all that with Nate when he, when he has to get that. That's what's so funny about this season is Nate, Nate gets this, this table for, for his, uh, for, for, you know, for, for, for his family, they got this great episode. It's very nice. Very heartwarming. Then, by the end of the season, he's the most hated man on the internet. You know, it's sort of crazy. Up next, we've got really the the big season with the building of the... uh, The next two episodes are really sort of built around the... uh, The aspect of Rebecca and Ali Samia's relationship building and, and their whole banter. You know, their secret lover... Not lovers at this point, their secret... Not even sexters, they're secret texters, I guess. They're they're in the talking stage, like children. But again, like I, I I thought that see, like that's what I don't. People wanted like conflict. They just they just want people being mean to each other. Like the minute you know you go from Rebecca being excited about this person she's talking to, and that flips into this tension with Sam, like that, that's real, that's conflict to an extent. That's that's rising tension in the background. You know. At some point, these two are very excited to meet this other person, this person that seems to be a perfect match. Meanwhile, they're both in for sort of a rude awakening when they find out who the other person is. And obviously, Sam was much more into it than Rebecca was. But at the same time, like, you knew that that it was going to be trouble, that 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 it was Rebecca that Sam was talking to, and that that certainly wasn't who he was expecting to talk to. So, you know, I, I definitely think that they're, they're – like, people acted like this season was just – nothing happening but but dad jokes and good times and certainly i disagree to an extent but i'm even going to get back to the 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 criticism at the end here because ld is is pro people making jokes it's just difference between people who have a leg to stand on and not up next we have the big man city episode ld thought that one was phenomenal uh again just just a, a great episode of television you know even if you just look at that episode in in a in a jar and you know there was certainly the comical way that that Man City just absolutely whooped Richmond, but that's to be expected. Richmond upset Tottenham the round before. I think that's very fair. And the ending stuff with Jamie and his father was great. I mean, I mean, the way that Roy embraces him, the way that Jamie snaps, the way Coach Beard throws him out. And, of course, this leads to probably the most controversial, not controversial, but I'd say the most disliked episode of the season, which is Beard after hours, the episode that's all following Coach Beard walking back. Uh, from from the Manchester City game, while he's frustrated, um, I, I'll say I'll say two things that give credence to the criticisms of that episode. LD LD personally didn't dislike that episode because he's a big fan of sort of nothing happening in shows. He's a huge Seinfeld guy, you know. But at the same time, um, I will say that the end of the Man City episode, the way Coach Beard flipped off Ted and this and that, I I maybe thought that Beard was going to be the, the Nate. Of this season. I didn't think he was going to go as far as Nate did, but I did believe that Coach Beard might have quit the team by the end of the season, maybe head back to America to to a land he knew better, to a sport he knew, you know? Um, And you obviously don't really get anything like that in this episode. Uh, The other thing I will give the critics uh, with this episode is that TV seasons used to be a lot longer, they used to be like 20 something episodes. Uh, and that could afford episodes like this that don't really directly follow the plot or a really major character that people are really interested in uh, it gives an episode like that a little more credence and i think that when streaming you even if you have less episodes if you drop sort of the all all the season at once even if it's just 12 13 episodes people will sort of ignore an episode like this more easily because you know they can just keep their binge going they can skip right through this and keep it going, and not have to. Oh, I, I, I've been waiting a whole week for this episode. What? It's just Coach Beard. You don't really have to deal with that complaint as much. If, if they get through that episode, they'll be like, Ah, oh, that was good. All right, on to the next one. Uh, you know, oh, that that wasn't my favorite, but it, but it's nice. See ya. You know, that sort of thing. Also, I did like the scene with him and the girl at the church. The the rave song was fun. I liked him sleeping in the meeting when he gets back. That's very relatable. Whom amongst us hasn't had to fall asleep in Mm -hmm. homeroom because we were up too late the night before back in the day, you know. Up next, we have No Weddings and a Funeral, the big Rick Ashley episode. See, like, that's one where LD wasn't as into that episode as a lot of other people was. I, I don't dislike that episode at all. It just wasn't really my cup of tea in terms of, like, my favorite episode. I will say Wikipedia says that Nate talked to, uh, uh, after the service, Jamie admits to Keely that he loves her. Rupert tells Rebecca he will give her the remaining shares of Richmond and briefly converses with Nate. I don't really remember that conversation with Nate, but we'll have to, to go back and see that because I'm sure that has implications to what – you know the way the the most recent episode ends up next season 11 or season two episode 11 got the the Niger, or the Ghanaian billionaire trying to start a super team in Africa at uh Raja Casablanca LD's been doing some think about this thinking about this could you really start a champions League winning quality team with just like he's like I'm I'm gonna recruit the big African players in the world like like this is what I was thinking. You could get Sadio Mane, probably. You're not getting Mo Salah from Liverpool. Aubameyang's older now. I, I know there's definitely like like Victor Osaman. He's he's great, but like I just Thomas Partey is great in the midfield. I just don't feel like you have. I feel like African players. A lot of the the greats are, are attackers, and and you know you got the, the different age brackets. But but like uh, Kuladabi from from Napoli, obviously, is a phenomenal center back. But I just feel like it's hard to find the the depth. Obviously, he's correct that it would spur a golden age in, in African national teams, and eventually the African continent soccer talent would would improve to the level needed for, for what his vision was after like a decade, 15 years or whatever, but it's an interesting idea. Also, this is a very good episode. We have, um we've got uh Sharon Leaves, the, the psychologist. She doesn't say goodbye to Ted. I, I like how, like, she wasn't even being mean. She's just not, you know, that goes back to the Nate conversation from earlier. Everybody is the main character of their own life, you know? So so she doesn't like saying goodbye. She's not going to say goodbye because to her, this isn't a television show centered around Ted Lasso where she needs to say goodbye to him. Then you've got the big Nate reveal at the end that he was Trent Krim's anonymous source. We get into the finale now. And and we're, this is where we're going to, you know, we're going to branch into the big Nate talk now. So, so let me start with this to get this out of the way. The Roy and Keeley thing... Would be my biggest complaint with how things wrapped up. I'm going to have to see how they address that in the new season. I feel like Roy and Keeley really handled any issues they had with each other or in the relationship in a super smooth and healthy way. And now, much like Roy said, it does feel like they're breaking up. And I'm just going to need to see why, you know, and have a good reason for that. So we'll see. But then the Nate stuff. I just really thought like, like, as I said, like, I'm in on Nate being this villain. I, I I, think they, they handled it really well. I really like him, him going at, at Ted, but like really, you know, in this last episode, it's like, like the big thing is, is Nate was the mold to, or the, the anonymous source, the Trent Krim from the independent. What's going to happen? How are Ted, how's Ted going to handle it? What's he's going to say? What is he going to say to Nate? Coach Beard's on it right away. And really like Nate just. Like, like it feels like we didn't really see him being nearly as negative. Like, like there's definitely an angle to once he was cornered by Ted, you know, he did something very bad. And I, I think he knows that. But, but, you know, he feels so genuine in his dislike for Ted. And he feels like he's so in the right for how he feels. And that's where, to me, it's a little like... I mean, obviously, the guy's in the wrong, and we all know that. That's why we don't like it. But I just wish I would have seen him being a little more snappy to Ted if he felt this way beforehand. Obviously, in the episode where he is revealed to be the anonymous source, he says to some of the other coaches how he kind of thinks he deserves more credit. Don't you guys ever wish you had more credit, whatever? And, and you know, that kind of foreshadows where things are going, and it's really when his hand is tipped. But, you know, he never really seemed personally upset with Ted. At all that season, you know, I mean, uh, I'm just saying like, like if he was as upset and angry at Ted as he made it seem during that back and forth with Ted where he would not move an inch and he was telling Ted, fuck you and this and that, I just feel like he would have, you know a little snippier with Ted casually as well. But Nick Mohammed did a the actor who plays Nate did a phenomenal job this season and he dropped like a little bit of like a cheat sheet uh, of of Nate's progression through the series. And I wanted to read that. Uh the first time we ever see Nate, he's shouting at Ted. You know, he thinks Ted's like an intruder on the pitch. The roast from season one is fun and taken in good spirits, but you can see how much of a kick Nate gets out of laying into the players. It's payback time. When Nate first believes he's been fired at the end of season one, he turns on Rebecca and calls her a shrew instantly, a first glimpse into his nasty side. The hair color change was deliberate. I have flecks of gray that were painted out in season one and were painted more and more gray as season two progressed. It's a wig by the end. Thanks to Nikki Austin and Alex Dolman for making this happen. In the way bitterness, guilt, shame, and stress can often change someone's appearance, they thought it would be fun to track Nate's spiral in this way. In my head, Nate was transforming into Jose Mourinho, a famous soccer manager who's an all-time douchebag and a piece of shit. A lot of the key beats in Nate's Season 2 journey are unheard, unseen, or dialogue-free, but they were all scripted, including the spitting in the mirror. Yuck. Speaking of which, when Nate spits, he's both physically and metaphorically spitting at himself. Deep down, I think, hope he hates what he's becoming, though whether he will truly redeem himself, I genuinely do not know. The opening and closing shot of Season 2 are the same, but in the final shot, the light in Nate's eyes have uh, supposedly gone out, also in the script. The only scene solely between Nate and Ted in Season 2 is in Episode 12. The last scene before this was when Ted apologized for snapping at Nate in Season 1 just before Nate delivers the roasts in Episode 7. Brilliantly done job by the writers on showing rather than telling just how abandoned Nate feels. Similarly, when Beard calls Nate out on his behavior against Colin in Season 7, Nate's first reaction is to ask whether he told Ted. Ted is largely unaware of Nate's downfall until he receives the text at the end of episode 11. That is something I forgot about that I thought was a phenomenal thing from the writers. Not to condone Nate's subsequent behavior or attitude, but season two is jammed full of microaggressions against Nate. From Ted laughing at the prospect of Nate being a big dog, to Roy not being bothered that Nate made an inappropriate move on Keely, to him not receiving an espresso machine, the latter for me is a great example of jokes having consequences, which Jason has spoken about a lot. It feels like a joke and is essentially played that way in the scene, but you know this is the kind of stuff that is ripping Nate in two on the inside. The picture that Nate gave Ted for Christmas is next to Ted's picture of his son at home, which we get a glimpse of as Ted is ready for the funeral and before his panic attack. I recall this being one of Bill Lawrence's idea, a typical uh, a typically emotional beat from a while ago and it devastated me when he first told me about it. Also, when Brandon Hunt, who plays Coach Beard, casually told me their plans to have the believe sign being ripped in two, I fell on the floor and screamed. Uh, and then he gives credit to all the writers. Uh, here are the names of phenomenal writing: Ashley Nicole Black, Brendan Hunt, Joe Kelly, Phoebe Walsh, Brett Goldstein, Jane Becker, Bill Lawrence, Jason Sudeikis, uh, Lean Brown, Bowen, Jamie Lee, Bill Rubble, and Sasha Garin. Uh, it's been one hell of a uh, one hell of a roller coaster. Thank you for sticking with me, and thank you for your support. And you know what I thought was so funny about all that is like he had to, like the actor, I had to come out with all that because people handle things very weirdly now in the discourse of like TV and movies. I talk about this all the time. Like, I know I just gave a very long lengthy breakdown of the character, you know, and I talked a lot of like, if these characters were real, you know, I'm talking about character motivations. And I think uh, Nick Muhammad did a great job of, of breaking a lot of that down in that little letter that he, that he wrote. Um, but, like, I always bring it back to, like, Game of Thrones. Like, the last season of Game of Thrones became this weird, bizarre, real-world, like, first-grade boys versus girls. Like, oh, Jon Snow's, like, should be on top. No, like, Arya deserves to be... Girls rule, boys... Dro- people are, like, going back. It, it's bizarre. You know, like, like, when Daenerys turned out to be a bad person, people were like, what does this mean for real-world modern-day feminism? It means nothing. Dragons do not exist. Similarly, like people almost are acting like the actor Nick Muhammad who plays Nate is a bad guy. Or like Ted Lasso, the show is fucking like, well, I don't like Nate anymore and I used to. Yeah, man, that's what they were trying to do. You know what I mean? Like this is all very deliberate to an extent. Like I've seen people breaking down Nate's reasons for being mad at Ted as if it all needs to like make sense to us in the sense of like, yeah, I'd be mad too. Not like to an extent. We just saw a man like get too much, like uh, Bill Murray has a famous quote. That's very obviously about Chevy Chase. Uh, it was after the first you know, after the first season of SNL, Chevy Chase was like the most famous man on earth. He was only on SNL for that first season because he left because of how famous he was. And he was replaced by Bill Murray, who I feel like nowadays people think much bigger of than, than Chevy Chase. Bill Murray said like, once you make it big, you really only have two years where you can be an asshole. And if you're an asshole, like in that third year, You've lost it. Like, you're gone. You're done, you know? And and that is a, a great point. And, and I think that that's, like, what we're seeing with Nate is, like, you know, you saw it really with all the Kid stuff. Like, clearly, this is a man who was not used to attention. And clearly, like, Nate's not completely the, the monster here. Like, you're going to see something about Nate's dad and about how Nate's relationship with his father clearly, you know, kind of built this on and, and, and whatnot. Maybe he didn't get any love as a child. Who knows? But, you know, Nate Nate clearly is kind of built like like he's got problems right now. He's going through it. He's got an ego thing. He's mentally unwell. He's a big dickhead. It's unforgivable. And another person who kind of like plays into this trope of like people in real life debating real world bullshit too much with fictional characters is when Brett Goldstein won an Emmy for his... Uh, portrayal of Roy Kent. I saw people talking about how like Roy owes like the world to Keely, and like this and that. These these two have been very good to each other. I don't know why there needs to be like a team Roy and a team Keely, and I'm predicting it right now. It's going to be very insufferable if they break up next year. People are going to be – because because like Roy Kent's now like this heartthrob type figure on Twitter. So there's going to be a bunch of people that are like, how could Keely leave Roy Kent? He's perfect. He has a grumbly voice and he doesn't have emotions. And then a bunch of people are going to push back and be like, "Keely is a boss bitch. Like how dare you act like she did not make Roy Kent the man he is today. Like it's going to be insufferable. It's going to be terrible. And I just want to watch the show, you know. I just want to watch Roy and Keeley and see what happens with them, and not debate, you know, who's a boss bitch versus who's a fuck boy, and who's a good guy versus who's a two timer. Like, let's let's leave that all at the wayside, people. And to wrap things up, I want to talk a little about the Ted Lasso haters, of whom of whom I am not one. LD is a big fan of hating, though. Hatred makes up a lot of LD's heart. You know, he's a serial hater. LD cannot stop being fueled by hate and malice in spite of his life depended on it. Which is funny, because I'm actually a very, very nice guy. I don't, like, do anything bad, but, like, I I just think of things. I I get stuck on the people I hate and the the people who have wronged me and whatnot. But, like, the, the Ted Lasso haters, it's just, that's what I don't like. Is anybody who hates anything or anyone based on like the internet reaction to it? Like a great example is Bryce Harper became underrated in baseball simply because the media made such a huge deal of him and and you know showed him all the time to such an extent that like people got annoyed and tired of him, but that that's not Ted, that's not a Bryce Harper's fault. Similarly like Patrick Mahomes whom I'm not the biggest fan of, but like that man's about to be despised because people are getting so tired of, you know, the the ESPN. Look at this no-look pass. It was incomplete, but he tried it. That sort of stuff, you know? And that's what Ted Lasso fell victim to. You know, the the corny blue check marks on Twitter who like can't curse and are afraid to say the word crap because it's inappropriate. Those people love Ted Lasso and they recommend it like it, like th- like there's that set of person who will talk about Ted Lasso like it's a little undiscovered gem 8 months after it's already been, you know, season one wrapped and everyone's talked about it or there's that person who's got to make such a big deal like all right guys yes yes i the guy who tweets hilarious memes for bleachers report am finally watching ted lasso i know i'm sure i'll like it and then they start their little thread and they're like huh oh my god ted's so cool oh Oh, no, Rebecca, she's going to be mean to him. I'm going to be pissed about that. Look, man, you can't start a thread about a show that was out eight months ago. You either got to do a thread as the show came out, if you're early on it or if you're right on it, or like 10 years later. You can't do anything in between that. So I give people the benefit of the doubt. I see why some people are annoyed. But here's the thing. If you're going to be a hater, you either need to just be like a troll you can't be trying to be overly critical about it in my mind. Like I said, I thought this TV writer guy that that I can't even remember the name of who, who was shitting on Ted Lasso season two had a lot of bad points. Or you got to be funny. Like I saw a very funny video where this guy was like everyone who recommends Ted Lasso and it was all like, oh, no, it's great. Like nothing really happens, but everyone's nice. Like it, the guy did a very funny job, did a great video. I applaud him, credit to him. You got to be original with your criticisms if you're going to be joking, you know. You you, you got you to gotta come up with some content. You got to make some material. Otherwise, LD does not want to hear it. And that's all for LD's takes on Ted Lasso Season 2. I'm interested to see if Season 3 is going to be the last one or not. I've heard rumors of it. I've not heard those rumors denied. It really seems like they're kind of doing an arc here. So we'll see. Credit to LD. The minute Rupert was mentioned as having bought West Ham United in that final episode, LD knew immediately that he was going to hire away Nate. I thought he was going to steal Nate. I didn't think Nate was just going to turn out to be like the biggest asshole of all time and leave. But still, you know, when you got eyes like LD and you see everything in 2020 vision, you're always seeing the future. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for lending me your ears. As always, this is LD over and out.